0: Hi, this is Aaron Azrod and welcome to the first part in our series. What does it mean to be social? For many of us, what it means to be social has radically changed during the global pandemic. Long gone are the days of Facebook invites, where an assemblage of your close friends from college would converge, spend an hour at this pub, only to magically transplant themselves to an entirely different location later in the evening. Most of us can remember lightning fast conversations with a myriad of different strangers. Aha, yes, I'm watching that show. Oh, you went to school in California too? Nice. While we may think back fondly to those days of rapid fire conversations, the global pandemic now nears its seventh month. A question emerges were we actually socializing with people all along? We might think that at all of these parties and public gatherings, we were being good social people, rationalizing how much we support and care about other people. But if there is one thing that the pandemic succeeded in doing, it was slowing all conversation down and limiting us to our immediate kin and friends who are especially closest to us. As some of us have begun to realize, perhaps we weren't doing the best job of listening as we once thought. Joining me to help understand what exactly socializing is, especially during these times of lockdown, I am once again joined by Gabby. Gabby, what are your thoughts Is that fight that someone is having right now with their wife, real socialization? Or did we leave that behind in the bars and clubs?
1: Aaron, thanks for having me again. So the lockdown has been really interesting for me and the people I've kind of talked about this with. Um, I think in some cases it's been really terrible because everyone's been accustomed to socializing on a day-to-day basis. but in some cases I think it's been really positive you know to kind of get away from people maybe that weren't so great in your life or kind of just slowed down um, that everyday hustle and bustle. Specifically, I actually I was really happy with the lockdown for a number of reasons, one of which was there was a girl that I worked with at my job who initially we were really, really close with. I was learning a ton from her in an area in the company that I was looking to kind of move into. And towards the end of last year, beginning of this year, I started noticing she, every time I was around her, I started to feel really poorly about myself, just like feeling negative and like a damper. And I'm normally like really peppy and like ready to go. And like, it it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't feel very good. And I, you know, as a friend, I was trying to kind of pull her out of the, you know, the dumps and just nothing was working. And because we worked together, it was difficult to get away from her. So when the lockdown happened, it was perfect because I almost, I I got the chance to kind of be free, which really sounds messed up, but I mean, it, it was, it was a relief because I got to kind of cleanse my energy, if you will, or just like take a break from like trying so hard to bring this person back to life. And it also just opened my eyes of like who this person really is from a deep, deep soul level of she is actually, there's this facade that she's, she has, and she doesn't actually She tries to make it seem like she's really positive and outgoing and um, contributing positively to our friendship, but it actually isn't the case.
0: I want to rewind the clock a little bit, and let's talk about this relationship during uh, the pre-pandemic days. Could you describe a little bit about what things you would do with this friend? Because I think that... When we frame our activities with a person and the hustle and bustle of how we hung out with this person, I think I think we could better understand how you may have overlooked this.
1: Sure. So we initially became connected because she was in a certain area of the company and I saw that there was a gap there and naturally trying to progress career-wise, I was like, you know, raise my hand, said, I want to get involved. And so as a result of spending so much time together, you know, we would grab coffee dates. We'd go for a walk. We'd talk about what was going on at work. And then it just, you know, over time we became closer. And then that's kind of where the personal bits started coming out. So then we would have lunch together. We exchanged, you know, we would text sometimes, Instagram follows, like all of that. And it started, I really liked her at first and it was going, it was going really well. But then I think once we started diving into those personal bits and talking about relationships and like career progression is when I started to get bogged down by like, it was mostly about drama about this boy that she kept on seeing and she was seeing him for a while and then she wouldn't. And then she would text me and say, I don't know what to do. This is happening, blah, blah, blah. And it just became, instead of um, a confidant, I became like her like dumping ground. I don't know. I just became kind of her, not her punching bag, but I just... like she was spewing all of her like word vomit and negative emotions on me so that she could walk away feeling better even though i felt like crap after it's like
0: you're like i are like a basin or a bucket of some sort to like like to dump all this stuff in so let's talk about like getting coffee and and getting salads or, or getting lunches together do you think that all of that scenery may be distracted from the negativity she was bringing because on one hand when we're sitting at home not doing anything, we, we we kind of feel a little depressed. Like you feel left out, like, man, everyone out is is there having lunch in the city. And I, I kind of want that for myself. So do you think that running from place to place and, and ordering Starbucks together or cappuccinos and, and salads together, do you think that maybe distracted from her negativity because there was all this other stimulation going on?
1: When you put it like that, I like literally a light bulb went off. I was like, Oh my God, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that it's all bad, right? Because essentially my connecting with her is what landed me towards career prog- progression a year later. And I think network is, networking is a wonderful thing. And when you have those quick conversations, when you're quickly going for a 15-minute coffee break and some person says one thing and it kind of starts a, a trickle or snowball effect into different conversations or different avenues, it's wonderful. But yes, at the same time, I think a lot of those mandatory coffee Dates or like networking events are kind of fluff, and it's not always necessary, and causes more damage um, than we think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, and I know that people who suffer from drinking—if you've, if you've ever known anyone who suffers from alcoholism—they will hang out with anybody. like yeah. And and the way it goes down is that in our society, we have this image that. If you are drinking a six-pack of beer at home alone, or maybe if you're a lady, like a a full glass of red wine by yourself, you kind of get dubbed the alcoholic, right? Like we have this Mm -hmm. very negative label of people who drink by themselves as being loners, outcasts, misfits, and so forth but alcoholics are smart enough to know well in order to kind of rub off that social stigma i just need to find somebody to hang out with i don't care if they're negative i don't care if i have anything in common with them as long as i can rationalize to other people and to myself that i'm drinking with somebody it all becomes okay
1: yeah and it becomes social versus like a pity party if you will
0: thinking about this you, you had all of this stimulation. And then when you were hanging out with this girl, were there other friends that were also kind of in the, in the fray, in the mix?
1: Actually, no. I mean, my friends, I had other friends at work that were in different areas and we didn't really bridge the gap, which now that you, Point that out I'm like that's kind of weird <laughs> it, was just like, it was just kind of us two and like no one else would really get into no one else would hang out with us it was just us two or, or not at all again now that I'm saying this I'm like that is really weird I don't like that <laughs> but it is what it, you know it is what it is um there I think there were some benefits of the friendship but um she it is definitely difficult to introduce her into different social groups like she would almost feel like uncomfortable even though I would. I would be right there to kind of be the, um, the buffer. So at least she didn't feel like she didn't fit in or that I wasn't paying attention to her. Cause you know how it is when you introduce a friend to like a new group or a new social setting, there's that yes. area of like, they don't necessarily feel comfortable yet. So you want to slowly like wean them in or like be there in case they need to like grab onto you, so to speak. But.
0: It's very um, nice of you, by the way, I, I've yeah. been thrown into, <laughs> I've been thrown into groups like sink or swim, you know, <laughs> and like make it work.
1: I mean, sometimes it's nice, right? Because it forces you to converse with people that you wouldn't normally. But yeah, she she didn't always want to go outside of her comfort zone when it came to socializing with other people, which I now, again, it just, I find it bizarre. And that would probably explain probably some of the negativity in her life is, I don't know. Some, I find so much joy talking to people. Like, it's funny, right before me and you started talking this morning, I... I was so tired and like, I wasn't necessarily in a bad head space, but I just wasn't jazzed up. And now that we started talking, I feel like it flipped a switch and I like feel so much better because I like, I'm speaking to a human, like I'm (laughs) converting, I'm socializing. Like there is a bit of a dopamine hit when you do talk to someone and like have those conversations where you connect.
0: And it's funny, we're doing this over Zoom. So, uh, you know, it's like, it's it's, it's crazy what, uh, you know, the right chemistry and and what the right balance could bring. So going back to your friend, it's funny you mentioned that she kind of rejected your friends in a way, because I think in many respects, our friends, especially if they're like high school friends, whatever, they're also kind of an extension of who we are, right? And you, you know, you might have friends in your life that are different than the people you fraternize with at work, but the fact that she's not really willing to give those friends a chance kind of means that she's rejecting a part of your personality because those people are obviously in your circle because they brought some things, they brought some value or they, or they share some kind of common belief with you.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you put it like that, it sounds really harsh, but essentially, <laughs> essentially, yes. I yeah, I guess yeah. With, with different friend groups, they definitely have different personalities, and you know, you have these groups where like there's the funny person, and then there's like this person and whatever else, different buckets. So I can see how she probably might have difficulty if she were slotted into a different bucket than she normally would feel accustomed to or comfortable with. Yeah. She, she's interesting. I actually did connect with her after um, all this. And she seems again, at a glance, she seems like she's doing a lot better and she dealt with whatever it is she needed to during the pandemic without me. (laughs) But you know, it's one of those things where like want to be at arm's distance. Like I'll still acknowledge you and and we'll be cordial, but I don't necessarily want to get, Super involved with your life again for fear of like tampering with my energy and like my happiness. Cause I definitely feel a lot better not having like being around her all the time.
0: I want to also run this one with you. Do you remember we did you used to do a lot of Facebook invite stuff? Like you would have like yes. come celebrate my birthday. Always. Now, this is one of the things that I, I never understood. And I want to get your take on this sometimes people wanted to pad their parties, their birthday parties or their whatever celebrations. And what I've noticed that was very interesting is when people would make these Facebook invite groups, they would actually, and maybe I'm even guilty of this, who knows, of inviting people that they would not ordinarily hang out with on a one-to-one basis but they kind of wanted to you know, get the numbers down. They wanted, like if they were gonna have this huge get together at some bar, they wanted to get these numbers up. But now I'm starting to think to myself, geez Louise, like we were inviting people to things that we would otherwise not go for like a four hour walk with, right? to our, our, our parties. I'm wondering if you've had any experience with that kind of stuff.
1: I don't, I, you know, maybe I was the fluff, the person who came, who was like, the yeah, yeah, right. We must, we may have also
0: been the recipient of this too.
1: Yeah. I don't remember when growing up ever really inviting someone specifically for the numbers. There were definitely people I would invite to groups if they, I wouldn't hang out with them on a one-to-one, but they were really great when they were with either this person or that person, or they were really good in a group, or it was like, You know, a plus one, if you will, for a friend. Like There was that scenario, but I don't know if I would ever fill it in just for the numbers. It would be more so to make sure that A, all the people there feel comfortable with the environment and they have their friends that they can hang out with too. And then there's also um, people who are good conversationists, right? There's always that person at the party who's like, I don't know, they help with like blending everything. And so I'm (laughs) like, I want you there. (laughs) But like, I don't think I just normally invite someone random just for the sake of you know them filling that slot but I do I will say though I've had parties before that if one person in particular doesn't come I almost feel like um the party itself or the you know the event will suffer a bit because they're not there to like bring the zhuzh or the, the you know like judge it up a bit
0: like, yeah yeah I think also like I, I don't think that when we do this the people who do this are necessarily bad people I don't think that they're just you know, like, let's just stack all these bodies into a bar together. I don't, I don't think that that's their rationale. I think the way that they kind of rationalize this is that first off, people will show up at all different times. If you make a Facebook event for eight o'clock, You'll, you'll have your, you know, um, people that show up on time, but then you have a lot of Johnny come-latelys who just show up at 9.30 and 10.30. And I think there's this idea that you want to invite enough people to sustain the entire duration of the event so that, you know, the people who came early have enough people to speak to, and then the people who come later have enough to speak to. I don't know if that makes any sense.
1: That definitely makes sense. I don't know if I've necessarily, ta- necessarily taken into account of that happening but I, I mean I know plenty of people who you tell them eight and they come at ten and you're like what, I don't uh, what I told you eight like so you have to, like you have to actually tell them earlier. So that they come on time
0: yes yeah, right like you know 6 30 start but that really that's code for eight o'clock or something right that, that mm-hmm. <laughs> see i'm I, I was very i had no discipline with any of these things i was just like show up whenever you know and then
1: yeah <laughs> and then
0: you get into this thing where you're texting people oh we already moved to this bar or whatever you know and now and now you're like doing the text messaging game where you're getting cattle from one from one place to the next and so forth. Uh, I'm sure people would love that I'm calling them cattle, but that's kind of that's <laughs> it's kind of how, what's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's that's essentially uh, what, what these things turn into. All right, let's go back into that bar into that group dynamic, right? We have this idea that when you're surrounded by a lot of people, I, and I have a personal theory that you're not really getting to know anyone at all. And and here, here's my thought about this. I've been in a lot of bar situations, a lot of group settings, you know, and I noticed that, and maybe I just suck, who knows, maybe I'm really boring, <laughs> but I noticed that I tend to have very rapid fire three to five minute conversations with people. And I think that the having plentiful numbers, people treat each other with less respect because the numbers are so plentiful. So they think, oh, I don't really have to have a long out engaged conversation with this person because I can just hop to the next person. Uh, if you've ever been on like speed dating or you've used like a dating website, sometimes people get in their head like, well, there's so many fish. There's so many people. I don't really need to get to know this one person all that much, or I don't really need to kind of invest in this one person all that much because I can just keep hopping to the next thing. You know, it's like, I don't really need to savor this, like, like these crab legs at the buffet because I can just go on to the shrimp or something. And I think that people take for granted one another when the the numbers are really high. How does that feel, Gabby?
1: I mean, truthfully, as someone who has used dating apps, it, that feels terrible. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to go to the next one. Like, It's not a nice feeling, but um, in my experience of just like socializing in the city, um, you know, you, you go to a bar and then, you know, you end up chatting to the person on the bathroom line or like, you know, you have to squeeze through people to get to drink and you end up like just quickly chatting or BSing with the person next to you. Like there are a lot of moments where you can have those like one minute quick conversations. And even at work, I find you ask the questions like, what's the weather like or like whatever it is. To kind of fill up space, but it's not really it's the word, it's not, it's not intellectual, it's more like Small like talk? significant. No. Yeah. I mean, you're not having those significant conversations that make you think really deep thoughts. You're not questioning um how you think, right? There's always the question of like, am I wrong? And that's with everything. That's something I recently read in a book, Am I wrong? So you have X political view, you have X view about, you know, how to stylize your space, who to be friends with, who to date, like. Could I be wrong? Could I be wrong about this? Could I be wrong about that? Like, if you're continually having these small conversations, you don't get a chance to open up bigger discussions over whether they're small things or larger scale topics or conversations. So I'm finding that those little gold nuggets of like deep, deep conversation are really difficult to come by, especially as I get older. And I don't know if that's because we are so involved in our hustle and bustle and day to day, like running around, especially now that people are going back to work, but. I almost wonder if it's just like we've been almost programmed like because of social media and the way that we obtain like information now that i don't know maybe the that that way of obtaining information through deep conversation is not needed or people just don't want it or i'm like i don't i don't even know how to what the answer to that is i i miss it though i i feel like when i was younger i definitely had a lot more in-depth conversation where i actually left and i was like wow that was like really really awesome
0: I, I think this kind of takes back to our first conversation about people reading. And I, I think you're right. I, I think that the attention span of people has diminished considerably. And that that might also be leading to these more fluffy kind of like how's the weather, all of the Yankees won sort of conversations that can be that really just end in five minutes. And it could be that people just have a much smaller attention span that they don't even have the capacity to engage in these deep thoughts. Now it's funny. I've actually talked with somebody else, and they they have the viewpoint. Well, Aaron, it's always been just five percent of the population that has these deep thoughts, and and we just every you know ninety five percent of the masses or whatever have always just existed in pluff. And I don't really know how I feel about that. I I, I feel like when I was younger, I, I was able to have deep conversations with people on a one to one basis, and they weren't necessarily like philosophers and intellectual heavyweights or any of this other stuff. They just had like an active Curiosity in what I was doing, and I had an active curiosity in what they were doing. And it didn't really matter how many books either one of us had read, it just we just genuinely had affection for one another. So I think that that's one thing, and I I think you're right upon touching upon that. The other thing is, in terms of like the fluff, like we've all been at a bar and you know especially you being a lady i'm sure you've had plenty of creepy ass dudes just like hitting (laughs) on you and then like i you know that's a that's a whole nother dynamic in in itself right but we do have these conversations with people where the chemistry is just not there Mm -hmm. and it's okay that that conversation only went five minutes and it was just fluff and i think the balance is knowing when we're in a situation where the chemistry is just not there and the conversation needs to just terminate because there's just nothing there and asking ourselves critically, is there more to this person and should I be doing more?
1: I always find that tough because, especially at work, because there's so many, I try to, again, network internally to get to know more people. Um, and sometimes they just, they're just not talkers. So like, you can try everything in your wheelhouse, throw out sports, throw out reading, throw out television shows, like all these different topics to try to get them excited about something and have more conversation versus just a one word answer. Like, you know, just stop, continually stop it. And you being the one who's feeling it, it's, it's, it's challenging because also part of me, I'm becoming, I think a little bit more selfish with my time and, (laughs) and mental capacity. Where like, if I realize within the first couple of minutes of talking to this person, if it's, there's no um, reciprocity, I'm kind of like, well, nothing hard, you know, no hard feelings. I just, you know, I don't want to waste my time if you don't want to talk to me.
0: No, absolutely. I think you're right in just throwing away jerks. If you went on a huge monologue about something and you get like, oh yeah, cool. That's not right. That's absolutely not right. And you have every right to kind of, toss that person into the garbage bin, so to speak, and then just be like, nice meeting you and move on to the next person. That That is rude and disrespectful. And I also think that as a society, I think we should be calling out this behavior a lot more because I, I think that that's fundamentally rude. Now, I've been engaged in conversations, Gabby, with people that were talking about stuff I had no idea about. Like, for example, with sports, I, you know, I, I like MMA and I like martial arts, but I actually don't know all that much about sports. But I will actively listen and I will actively ask questions because that's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do that even if someone is talking about fashion or, or just some topic that I have no idea about, I was raised in such a way that you, you become curious, you ask questions, and you might be like, yeah, that, that's not really my topic. But I think we need to start calling out these people who – don't even have like the manners or the the muscles, if you will, to kind of be curious about things they're not interested about.
1: Stemming off of that, would you appreciate if like let's say you have that conversation where you talk to someone about MMA and then after they kind of like shrug you off, like, yeah, 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 whatever, like would you appreciate them more saying like, I'm glad you shared that with me, but that's not something I'm really interested in? or would you rather them say, yeah, 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 whatever? because there's also the question of like we go to authenticity in conversation and socialization would you rather that person be polite and not kind of uh say i don't i don't agree with you or whatever it is or you know there's two sides there's the authentic side and then there's like the morals like you're supposed to be like proper and nice and and make everything well so there could be the case of people saying yeah 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 whatever because they don't want to come off as rude when they like literally like they're about to explode on you and like let out all this like all this emotion or however their their opinion is on based on whatever it is you said
0: i'm glad that you asked that question gabby because we are you know and and like okay this is truth island right so i do want people to be truthful when i'm talking to them right and here's how i would approach that mma or let's say it was politics which is something i was interested in and they gave me "Yeah, yeah that's awesome well here here's my argument to this I would prefer the politeness in terms of the engagement. Like, are you listening? Are you curious about it? But here's the thing. In a way, I'm asking people to lie to me, right? And you make a a really good point there, (laughs) Gab, because that politeness is lies, right? If I'm talking about MMA or I'm talking about politics or whatever, or philosophy, and they're not really feeling it, I'm asking them to lie, which I agree with you is completely wrong. So the way that I would ask of them is that they just be truthful and say, wow, I hear everything you're saying. I just don't understand philosophy. I I just don't really like two guys beating the crap out of each other in a ring. That's not for me. That's kind of barbaric. And then we can actually have a great conversation about that. Like if they're honest about why they hate MMA or they, they're they like, that's just garbage. I'll be like, wow, thank you for sharing like why you find this utterly repulsive. Or thank you for sharing why this doesn't do it for you. We can talk a little bit about that. And then being the polite person that I am, I'll be like, well, what sports do you like? Or, or, what, thing, or what things are you interested in? So I think that it takes work. It takes work. And I think that that polite, like you shouldn't lie to people. If someone is talking about something that you're not interested, you'd be like, yeah, that's awesome. Don't, don't lie to them, but be polite enough and curious enough to keep that conversation going. As long as both parties are being are respectful to one another.
1: I, I definitely would agree with that. And I, I'd like to think that I have conversations that I either express that sort of reciprocity and energy, or I will flat out say, I'm not interested in that or whatever it is. But I think that maybe I just kind of had a eureka moment of maybe we're having more of these three to five minute conversations with people because people are actually afraid to to say oh I'm not interested in that or whatever it is or like have any sort of disagreement because of the nature in which people can like this it could flip like the the switch can be flipped really quickly like all of a sudden you're talking you know you're talking to someone about I don't know horseback riding and they say, well, I don't really like that. And that person all of a sudden gets really upset that you don't like it. And it becomes this whole full-fledged thing when in reality, you were literally just saying, you were just adding to the conversation, even though it wasn't going in the direction that that person wanted it to.
0: Yes. And, and, here, and, and here's the thing. There's also an element of... If we're talking about philosophy or politics or something, and that person doesn't know anything about it, they might also be ashamed of appearing ignorant. If I yeah, mention like I, Dem- if I if I mention like Democrats, Republicans, or something, they they may not know anything about that, and now they're they are going to be like, oh man, he's going to think I'm dumb or something. And then there's 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 that el- that's also another hidden element. But I think that when the person says, "Hey, Aaron, you know that's interesting, but I'm not interested in that." you're not giving up on the person. And this is the Mm -hmm. most fundamental thing here. When you say, yeah, yeah, nice talking with you and you move on to the next person, you have given up on that person. You're like, this guy is all about X, And there's no point in, 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 in trying to salvage anything here. I just need to move on to the next person. And you've given up on that person. Whereas when you're honest and say, Hey, I'm not really interested in that, but what else are you interested in? Or did you see that new movie that came out the other day or something like that? You're now you're, you're losing, you're not losing faith in that person and you're trying to find some other Island to swim to with them.
1: Yeah. So I, I, that's actually a nice way of putting it, putting it like when you think of, cutting people off or like letting them go when you say like, oh, I'm done with this or I don't want to talk about it. I just, I always have this issue with, I try to be, not befriend everyone, but I try to get to know a lot of different people. And sometimes what ends up happening is I get to that place of like, I'm not actually interested in what you're talking about, but how do I make it be like, I don't like what you're saying, but like, let's talk about something else. Like how to make it so you don't sound like a a weirdo or like a robot, or I don't like, I don't know what the, and maybe this isn't me, maybe this is something that other people have to adjust in terms of how they converse, because I also find maybe some people aren't as polite as you are in terms of like actually acknowledging that, A, hey, there's a disagreement, or I, this person actually isn't interested in what I'm saying, so let's pivot the conversation versus like the explosion or being upset about it, or I, I don't know if the average person would be able to navigate that so easily without getting hot-headed.
0: Well, well, first off, Gabby, I, I think that you're putting a little too much onus on yourself. But there is this onus for the person you're speaking to to read you and see if they're actively engaged. And I think that they also have a responsibility to be like, Hey, you know, they don't have to say this out loud, but we internally say, "Oh, it looks like she's not really feeling this. Let me let me gently switch the conversation to something else." Now, let's say you're talking to a brick wall who or just someone who doesn't have that social, <laughs> you know, those social skills or those social cues. Then it might be up to you to be like, "Wow, wow, that's really cool." Hey, did you see that movie? Or hey, did you do that? And and not do that in after like one minute. You got you got to let them get that whatever it is out of their system. So that's something I could ask you is, what is the appropriate amount of time that you listen to somebody before you have that? Hey, did you uh, see that new movie? Or hey, did you check out that new restaurant? Like, is there is there a grace period that we allow for this?
1: I don't know if I would necessarily give. I couldn't say an actual time, but maybe like five minutes and then I might interject and try to like throw some of my enthusiasm into there to get them excited about, you know, the conversation. Yeah, it really depends. If I'm like a couple sips into my wine and I'm like, you know, (laughs) there's like nothing happening. It's kind of like, okay, what do I do? Like, you know, uh, but you know, it actually aggravates me more than actually someone not talking to me or like that kind of um, the flow not being there has been someone's on their phone and I'm trying to have a conversation with them. It's like, it's so infuriating because I just feel like it's a, it's worthless. Like, like not so much now presently, but especially when I was younger, like mm. dating, you know, you're out on a date with whoever and they're on their phone. And then you kind of ask them, well, why are we out? If you're on your phone, like go do that at home. And then they're like, no, 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 no. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And then they put it aside. And then, honestly it gets me it gets me frustrated because then, like why are we out in the first place if you don't want to hear what i'm saying that's the whole point of a relationship whether it's a friendship dating family member like you're supposed to give someone your full attention
0: absolutely no i I, i'm gonna be harsh with this there's a special place in hell for those people that, that (laughs) that, that that go out and just go on their phone and look here's the deal. Okay. Here's the dealio with this. Right. And I don't older people. Oh, it's all the young people. They're on their phone. I'm like, no, I've seen 55. I've seen 56 year olds do the yeah, same. My parents thing too. do it. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> know, they, they don't don't blame it on us millennials about going on our phones at the dinner. I've seen, I've seen older folk do this stuff too. Here's the dealio with that. You're sitting at dinner and you you can check your email i would say 30 seconds or like it's you and you you tell the person hey i really have this important work email or my my wife is going through a crisis but whatever it is you preface it you check the phone you answer the text and you put that sucker right back in your pocket i should not see phones like people just leave their phones on the table and i actually did that myself quite a bit when i was younger But now I'm starting to see even just that as a sign of disrespect, because it's kind of like, we're going to have this conversation, but if this super cool person texts me right now, you're, you're done for. Like, I don't care that you're sitting across from me. If I see this phone light up and awesome people are texting me that are more interesting than you are, I am, I am picking up this phone and going into that world that, that needs to end Gabby.
1: Yeah, I I, it gets under my skin. I really don't like it. I'll, if you flip over your phone and it's still on the table, that's fine. I just, I mean, I feel like we're all like flies. Like once the light is on, we, you know, we go towards it and that's just the human nature, which I'm guilty of doing too. But I always try to, I will purposely keep my bag and my phone or if it's on the table or wherever it is out in the open, I always put on like the do not disturb button as like a sign of respect. Also, because I think as I'm getting older, I'm realizing how much like, human interaction, especially with the pandemic and like all of the things that have happened this year, like connection is so, so important, so vital. So, and social media as wonderful it is in certain senses, like it's complete garbage. Like it's not real connection. So why are you forfeiting the actual physical human in front of you for something that you can get 24 seven from your comfort of your bed? Like it just doesn't make sense. You can literally get it an hour later when you're in that person's in the bathroom or like you're on the subway, whatever it is.
0: Yes, absolutely. I, I I think that after the lockdown ends and the pandemic subsides, we we have to hold each other accountable. And here's the thing: no one wants to be that jerk of like, "Hey, would you mind putting your phone away?" Like like that. That's going to be a very difficult conversation to have because mm-hmm. when you are that person, you're you're going to be labeled the jerk. Like Aaron, you're a, you're a square man. Like you're you're a complete square. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. But now I, I'm starting to think if they react that way, if somebody in my life says, you're the square, you're, you're not hip or you're not with it right now. This is how we communicate. Like we we say uh, 30 seconds to each other and then we each go back to our phone and read BuzzFeed or whatever. Then maybe I have to develop the maturity in the stomach to be like, I think this is going to be the last time that we hang out together.
1: Yeah. I I think that's some of the difficulties that this upcoming generation is having because they can't like their phone is their life so once you disassociate from it it's like almost like you don't know what to say you don't know what to do it's almost it's just just everything becomes so much more challenging but your phone if you use it as a distraction or a buffer it kind of takes the edge off it's like you ever wait online for something or you're in a room and like you don't really have any conversation to to, there's nothing to say to like, I don't know, your boss or your friend or whoever's there for like that five to 10 seconds or a couple of minutes. And everyone just don't defaults to go on their phone because it's comfortable and it's much easier than having conversation. Yes. Like that's a problem. And I mean, I'm guilty of doing that because frankly, sometimes I just don't want to talk, but it's not, it's not a great solution. And I mean, I think that's also why the rate of divorce is so high right now too, is because no one's actually having conversation. It's more of like, I don't know, the fluff of life is getting in the way of what's really important and what needs to be said, if you will.
0: I love no, I love that phrase, the fluff of life. That's very beautiful, Gabby. Yes. There's so I, much I, of it. No, there's, there's so, so much, much no, you're right. There, there is so much fluff of life and like if you're in that waiting room would it be more ideal for us all in that uh, waiting room to engage in conversation? Okay, maybe, maybe not. There's definitely no obligation there. Like I don't have mm-hmm. an obligation to speak to some random dude waiting to have his like tooth extracted. Like that's not, <laughs> I don't think any one of us signed up for that and that's that's fair game. And, and people probably back then brought newspapers and books with them or whatever. So I, I think that that's fair game. But the fact that we're bringing reading material with us when we're hanging out with our loved ones and our close friends, shameful. Like, it's just its just shameful at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're planning on hanging out, you definitely shouldn't be bringing a book with you. <laughs> Unless you're like, I don't know, hanging out in Central Park and you're like, you know, you plan on like laying out for the whole day, like that makes, or the beach, like that makes sense. But if you're like going to Thanksgiving dinner, I don't know. I just <laughs> feel like that would be really weird. But I guess it's the same concept when you like whip out your phone, because um, you're essentially doing the same thing. It's just in digital form. Yeah, I don't know. I just like, I don't like using my phone that much. It's like, I think it's one of my worst and greatest qualities because I just, I'm not as connected and some people get mad at me for that. But at the same time, I just, I would rather pick up the phone and call you like get for 15 minutes. Let's just actually talk about what's going on. Why do I have to text you my whole life story. And then I'm on my phone all day. Like I just, I don't like it.
0: I think that phone is very dangerous for the reason that you just described it's Thanksgiving dinner, right? And you bring a book to Thanksgiving dinner and you know, mom and dad are cutting open that Turkey and you got your book out you seem like a really social, awkward person, right? Like just reading a book while everyone's there at Thanksgiving dinner. But that phone is so sneaky. It's so sneaky that fits in your pocket and you take it out. And somehow that phone hasn't been categorized in the same way as like a book or a newspaper. And that like, I'm blatantly, Ignoring all of you people around you. And I think I think it's the social relationship that we have to the phone that has allowed it to, to have this like exemption status.
1: Yeah. And if we think about even taking a step further, like parenting, like it's so easy for a parent to give a kid an iPad or something to distract them. But even if okay, so you have a, a kid who is crying for their parent and you know their mom is on the phone or the dad is on the phone and they're like, Hey, I'll get to you in a second, like. You don't know the irreparable damage that's being done to that kid because they're not having their needs met because that device is taking over the time that that parent should be putting towards nurturing their child. Which when you say it like that, it sounds like they're completely ignoring them and not, you know, providing their needs. But essentially attention is part of the need of a child. And it's sad when I see parents kind of like they're, they're literally ignoring their kids because they're on their phone.
0: That's that's this is this is going to be this is going to be very damaging because I don't know if you ever read the book, The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Yes, and the ten, and the ten, book. So there's something called like the 10,000 hour rule. Right. And I'm wondering all of these because it could be like you're ignoring your kid five minutes today, 10 minutes here. Ten, five, eventually, that's going to add up to a crap ton of time.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: when you sp- spread out all, if you add up all of those minutes over the course of years, this might be years lost of quality socialization, especially I, I would argue the most fundamental relationship as humans is the relationship between child and mother. That That is the most crucial, that is your first point of contact. And that is probably the most crucial relationship that you have. And if we have moms and, and I guess I'll throw dads in there as well. If they're Bearing their child in iPads and bearing themselves in iPads, this is this is gonna this is gonna rewire the brain.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it could also be argued if we get away from technology for a second. Again, let's say Dad is working late at the office. He has all these networking events and he's doing this conference and whatever else, and he's not home. Is it kind of the same exact effect that it would from a phone, or is it different because physically Dad's not there? He's away. But if you're home and you're physically there and you're distracted, like we're very different scenarios, even though it's kind of the same effect.
0: Yes, you are right about that. And that's probably an issue that has always existed where, you know, dad is coming home at 1030 at night. The kids are already asleep and they're like, dad, dad, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Here's the little difference maker, Gabby. I think when that dad, no matter how busy that dad was, if that dad happened to see his child on some random Sunday, he probably would just take like a few minutes and be like hey how was your homework how was that project how was that theater thing that you you know like mm-hmm. even even if people were very busy back in the day i think that it was just the default setting that like i'm not busy right now i'm going to take some time and just have a quick 10 minute check in with you but now the phone you know i think the phone is compounding the issue because now we're all super busy but now we also have the like in the little Minutia, free time that we have, the phone is now occupying that little space that we once had.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wow. We've covered quite a bit on, on, on this. And and this is (laughs) is awesome. We let's go to this idea now of what I like to call the two-way street. Okay, Gabby, we have people in our lives and we meet up with them and, and we know these people. And they just completely talk about themselves or they domineer the conversation. And there isn't this like, you know, and then blah, blah, blah. And then he totally yelled at me and I had to move out. And then there's never this point in the conversation was like, Oh, and Gabby, how was that promotion? Or, Oh, Hey Gabby, how was that new job? I'm wondering in our socialization if we should demand equality. Cause now uh, as you know, the one of the things that has happened to me in the lockdown is I'm starting to be more vocal with people of it's not going to ever be a perfect 50-50 two-way street of like, here's everything that I'm doing. Oh, it's been an hour and a half. Go ahead and you take the turn. But I think that as I reevaluate my friendships and, and all sorts of other relationships, I'm starting to have a higher bar and a higher expectation that we have a two-way street. How, how do you feel about the two-way street, Gabby?
1: It's funny that you mentioned this and how You've said as you the years have gone on, you have a higher bar of or level of tolerance with certain people. I find in the past, I don't even like two years. I as I get older, I have such a small circle of friends because I just I don't have I don't want to deal with it anymore. And not because I'm not willing to put in the effort. It's just that I value my time so highly and I, you know, value who I am as a person so highly. And for someone to come into my life and waste my time or not reciprocate or like care enough to ask those questions of how, how is your life going, you know, um, versus just it being me to ask those questions. And also remembering like some people just don't have a good memory. And like I go out of my way to make sure that I remember, oh, you named your dog this or like you just moved into a new apartment or whatever it is. So that when we do meet again, I can bring those things up and it generally speaking makes people feel really, really good because it makes me feel really, really good too. But I just, I don't have, I don't have tolerance for it anymore. I just don't, I just don't find that it's useful while we have such a limited time on this planet to be dealing with people in our day-to-day lives that aren't contributing in a way that makes us feel good and fulfilled and happy.
0: Yes. Yes. I'm, and I'm glad, I'm glad that you're, you know, that we're both kind of seeing that in our lives now. I want to talk about like uh, you, you actually brought up a, an issue I actually didn't even think of in this idea of like the limited memory okay so yeah maybe some of us do have photo memories I'm like it's great aunt Sally's birthday on Wednesday you know like like we have the, we, we all wish we could be that person but here's my argument okay we have people that have super duper memories and they remember every little minutia detail almost maybe even annoying like oh geez I, I wish you kind of forgot that I told you that but <laughs> um, <laughs> but like I still think regardless of whether you have an awesome memory or a poor memory, there should be a natural point in the conversation, maybe after an hour of talking about yourself or whatever it is, where it's just like, okay, I I have forgotten about what Gabby told me, but I need to stop myself right now and be like, oh shoot, Gabby, I've been talking quite a bit about myself. How's everything going at work? How's everything going? Uh, Are you still seeing that guy? And even if you don't have the names and the dates and the specifics, I think that we always have that capacity to just stop ourselves and just ask ask very broad and vague questions. And and that's okay too.
1: I think that's hard to come by. At least in my experience, I've found that a lot of people, which I'm guilty of myself, we as humans love to talk about ourselves and all the things that are going on in our lives. But it does take you have to almost like monitor yourself or kind of look at yourself from from far like a far away point or above to recognize when it's time to you know, swap the conversation or talk about something else or redirect the focus from yourself to the other person. Um, I think that's just a level of maturity. Mm, like there yeah. comes a point where you just, you start registering there's more to life than yourself, and you can actually learn a lot from the person that's across from you. If you just ask the right questions.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I've always, you know, the, it goes back to that, uh, phrase that he, us as humans were born with two ears, but only one mouth. <laughs> like like we' we're we're, we're we're supposed to we, we should be listening a lot more than than we are talking. And you're right. You, you'll notice that people that just have the mouth going at all times, they tend not to really be growing all that much, right? Like they they tend they 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 tend to think that they are already the center of the universe, and therefore, well, what does what does Gabby have to offer me? She has nothing to offer me. I have everything to offer her, and you might have some things to offer her, but you yourself kind of stop growing.
1: Yeah, I can. I actually ran into this issue, and it's really funny that my parents named me Gab because at one point in my life, that's all I was doing was talking. So <laughs> I, over over the past couple of years, I've been really working hard to make sure that I um, am consciously checking in with the other person and like making sure that it's not all about me because as a stubborn Italian, like I don't know all the answers. I just, I don't. And uh, no, every single person that you meet will know something that you don't know. No matter. Yes. What. That's right. Always. Even if it's something little about like how to grow plants indoors, how to wash a car and like buff it this way. And like, I mean, literally anything. Um, Even if it's not necessarily the right thing that you need to learn, you're going to, there's something there that they know that you don't.
0: Absolutely. So it's almost, I think we need to redirect our perception and, and say, listening can actually be a form of selfishness in a way, because when we are listening, we have the most to gain, right? Because like, we're talking to a gardener, we're talking to anyone and it's like, oh, thank you for letting me know that now I can totally incorporate that into my life where I can steal that idea and make it my own, you know? So like, I think we think that the person yapping and yapping is being selfish, which they are by the way, but <laughs> we can also, we can also be selfish by listening and extracting value from people.
1: Of course. Yeah. There's always, there's always something to be learned. I am finding more and more as time goes on, especially being at work now physically in the office again, just striking a conversation with the people around me i mean like last week i learned about a different beer i could try like a hiking trail i can go on like all these little things that i just never i just again i don't know i didn't need, i didn't know that i needed it but then once i got it it's like wow that's really great i can't wait to go on that hike or like you know this style of um this marketing campaign again i'm in marketing so wow this marketing campaign was really great It it I needed to learn that so that I can have a trickle effect in my job and create this, whatever this thing is I'm working on.
0: Yes, yes. And, you know, you know, like we're we're kind of like computers in a way where someone might tell us some random thing about hiking or whatever it is. It gets saved on your hard drive and you're like, oh, that's I'm never going to need to know about that. But then. Eight years later, you go on some trail or whatever, whatever it is. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember I talked to someone about that eight years ago and they had mentioned that poison ivy or whatever looks like that. And you thought at the time that it was useless information, but then it comes back and helps you.
1: It's so wild how our brain does that. Like, I really, I <laughs> wish I knew, really, because I, I feel like I've ingested so much information, but it doesn't always get extracted at the time that I need it. Rarely so, does. yeah. You know, like you wish you knew the hack of like, okay, how do I actually massage my brain? Or like, do I have to smell something? Do I have to listen to a certain type of music? Like, like, it's actually funny this whole past weekend, I was like feeling really nostalgic and listened to all the music from like the early, like 2000 and 90s. And I knew every single, I knew every single lyric. And it's just so bizarre that you can retain information like that for so long and it's completely pointless. Like there's, (laughs) I don't need to know, I don't need to know the lyrics for cartel. Like I just, I don't need to know it or, you know, whatever these bands I used to listen to. But um, yeah, those triggering effects of like, Oh, I smelled this or heard this or looked at that or moment, you know, happened, maybe it was somewhat traumatic or a big moment. And that piece of information finally comes to light and, it's just, it's so bizarre. How the why. It's it also blows my mind that we only use like twenty or thirty percent of our brain, or whatever the number is. Like,
0: I, I wish you could teach me the uh, the art to learning uh, lyrics because I can't remember any lyrics. <laughs> I, that's why I could never do acting. I just I can't remember lines to save my life. So we'll have to we'll have to meet and talk about that. Last part of the conversation I want to touch upon is we have two camps of thought in our in our in, in, in floating out there. One camp of thought will tell us you need to have a very diverse set of friends. And when I say diverse I mean in terms of interests. Like you need to have your bookish friends, you need to have your sporty friends, you need to have your friends that 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 you may not have much in common with, but they're going to enrich your life because they're so different from you that just exposure to them is going to make you a more richer, diverse human being. And that's one camp or one train of thought that we have in our society. The other camp of thought is, geez, you shouldn't be hanging out with people that you don't have anything in common, right? Like, like if, every, if you're hanging out with all these people and they don't care about what you're doing, you don't care about what they're doing, you're sort of just wasting your time and you need to pick yourself up and go and find like-minded people, uh, you know, um, birds of the same feather, you know, fly together kind of attitude. And I don't know what is right here. I, I actually don't have the answer as to what exactly constitutes like an ideal friendship circle. So I'm, w- I'm wondering your thoughts on that.
1: This is actually something I've always like struggled with or had the challenge of trying to figure out myself just because I forget where I read it, but they kind of, they say, as you will, uh, the top five people you hang out with are kind of a reflection of who you are. So as someone who, you know, I want all these big things and I have these big dreams. And one day I want to be a business owner and like travel the world and do you know, all these things. And then you start to look at the people around you. It almost makes you question like, am I hanging out with the right people? Are they actually supposed to be the people I'm spending my time with? Is this time well-spent period? But then something I've also questioned myself on is I have very different friend groups. So some of them I work with, some people I just, I either went to high school with. Again, two very different places of why we even became friends with in the first place. So I remember at one point really questioning one friend group And saying, oh, I don't know if I need them in my life. They're not really doing anything. Like, they're not go getters like I am. Like, I shouldn't be friends with them and was pushing them away for a while. And then a couple of years later, clicked to me, like, no, 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 there is a place for them. It's just not in the same place that maybe the other friend group is. So, those people who quote unquote aren't go getters, they're really great because in some ways they actually help me relax and like take a break and like do all the fun things that don't have this they're not like business people they're not trying to like save you know do all of these things and sometimes it's really good to have those moments of relaxation and fun and then i can go back to those friends who are you know the go-getters who want to be business owners who you know this whole list of things that i want so i think there's definitely a balance but i'm i'm always i'm always struggling with the whole friend group and balancing and, and who to actually welcome into my life and who to push away
0: okay I, I, this, this is really fertile ground, Gabby. And I love what you're saying here. I like this. I love this idea of having, okay, I have column A, my go-getter group of friends. And then I have my, oh, these are my relaxation friends. (laughs) Like my, (laughs) you know, like I, I love this idea, but I know there's somebody listening to us right now, or at least I hope they're listening to us right now that is going to say, Gabby, that makes you a user. You're just bouncing <laughs> between, like, you, know, you just want your go-getter friends when you want to get something, and you just want your relaxation friends when you hit some hard times and you need to chill. So I'm wondering what you're going to say to those people listening that are calling you a user of people and not not having genuine, like, let, let's just say, for example, you're in ultra go-getter mode, but then one of your relaxation friends is like, Gabby, Gabby, I really need your help. Like, come, come hang, and and." Just, you know, just have a drink with me right now.
1: I'm not using them because it's, it's not, I think it's more so that at one point I was considering cutting this friend group off because in my mind and in kind of like the self-development world, they're saying, okay, don't surround yourself with people who aren't at the place you want to be. Right. So like I maybe would be hanging out with a millionaire instead. Like that actually seems like more of me using people to get to where I want to go versus me enjoying the present moment. And just enjoying people for who they are like you don't have to be so methodical with who you're being who you're with or like have this outcome it's just i'm enjoying being with you at this present moment i know that we don't necessarily again we're not we're not so like minded in certain ways and so for that reason i'm not going to push on you that you need to go to conferences that you need to go to read these books that you need to do all these things cuz that's not that's not who you are so i'm not trying to change you as a person um i'm just highlighting that area that portion that portion of me that Likes to relax, that likes to go to the beach, that likes to get silly and maybe drink a little bit too much and like laugh and whatever it is versus the people who, you know, go to conferences and network and all that stuff. So I think it's just more of like, right, we're multifaceted people and we have a lot of different personalities and interests. So it's just going towards those groups in different ways when you know, we're feeling a certain way or not even feeling a certain way. Cause that sounds again, like using, cause that's not what I'm getting. At. It's, <laughs> it, it's just ebb and flow of like enjoying people for who they are. You're not trying to change them, but there's obviously two portions, two or a couple different, I don't know what I'm getting at. <laughs> no, no, of,
0: no, like, no, 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 Gabby, and... the, this is an immensely complicated subject that we've just yeah. touched. So that, that this is perfectly fine. I actually think you actually, you, you may not realize it, but I think you actually answered my question in a very profound way in that, I think it's all about framing it with these people. So, for example, if you've got a relaxation friend that wants to hang out, you don't ignore relaxation friend and say, "Hey, uh, like, like, sorry, I didn't answer your text message for like two months." You answer. Like, when you're at work, you should pick up the phone eventually. Within, like, I would say, I like to respond to people within 24 hours. I think that's common courtesy, and and maybe maybe, 48 hours, whatever. 24 to 48 hours, you need to respond to business associate and relaxation friend. I, I extend the same courtesy to everybody. Here's my deal: if you are engaged in a specific project at work or for yourself, I think that you should answer relaxation friend within 24 hours to 48 hours, and be like, hey. I really want to catch up with you. I'm involved in X, Y, and Z right now. We will set a time. We will hang out and mean it. Don't, don't just say like, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I'll let you know. Like, I hate that. Mm -hmm. When it's like, I'll let you know. And then it's just like, dot, dot, dot. Like, and then like the three dots at the end of the text message, that's, (laughs) that's complete bullshit. What you need to do is you need to text that person back. I have this project going on for the next three weeks. I'm available in the beginning of November, or I can squeeze in a a phone call or a walk with you, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's authentic friendship right there because you're being honest with that person and explaining what it is that you have going in your life. And you're not just throwing it out into like the current of like, okay, you know, at some future date, you know, five years from now, I will be free and we will hang out when I'm feeling depressed or sad. You're being very, (laughs) you're, you're being very specific as to when you're going to reintegrate that person back into your life.
1: Yeah. I actually like what you said about that because I do that often where I try to actually end conversation where I can versus like leaving it open-ended, like And then you're kind of like waiting around for that text to happen. Like if you just frame it so that it's either ending the conversation or you make the set plan or say whatever it is you need to say, um, then there's no question about like, am I expecting their call? Is this text from that person is like, you know, and I think that's also why relationships are not necessarily in the best place because like the constant texting and like, it just doesn't, I get, I mean, not for myself, but I know a lot of girlfriends, like that one girl from work, like she would not, she would oh, be texting whoever it is she's seeing all day long, 24 seven. And there's no end. And it just like, it's a constant whirlwind where if you said, Hey, like, I'm going to go to bed, I'll talk to you in a couple of days, like have a good week, you know, whatever it is, or some, something like that, something to that effect, I think would be really helpful. But going back to to friend groups, I think it's important to acknowledge the reason why you became friends in the first place. So if you're like, love video games and you meet this group of friends who like love the same video game, like you're not going to bring up needlework. Like, it's just like, you you know, it's like you just, the reason you became friends is because of video games. So you should use that common interest to keep fueling that relationship. Not that you shouldn't try to bring other conversations into play, but it's just don't try to change the people you're with. If let people be who they are.
0: Yes. I, I think that's important. And I think, I think that relaxation friends will appreciate or video game friends will appreciate that you're 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 you know yourself enough to be like, hey, I'm really invested in in doing this right now. And I don't want to bring that baggage to this this sphere. So leave, you know, just let me do my thing for a few weeks and then I'm going to come back to you all set to play video games. Cause that's the worst thing. The worst thing is, is that when you compromise and hang out with relaxation friend but you're still in work mode, then you're not really in the present moment, right? Because you're bringing your work self to relaxation friends. And that, that in itself can be kind of rude.
1: And they probably don't like it either. I've had that where the the same, again, that friend, the friends who like to just kind of hang out. If I get too like businessy or too like, um, yeah, let's, let's make the world a better place. And like, you know, these things that don't necessarily fuel them or we're not, it just feels weird when we're having those conversations. They Almost retract from me, like they don't want to hang out as much because I'm not on their level playing field. And I think there's something to be said there, where sometimes people like that aren't meant to be in your life when you're, again, trying to maybe if you're trying to be better, let's say, let get out of a bad neighborhood or um, I don't know, change jobs or whatever. Maybe yes, it is good to to reevaluate your friendship, you know, your friends because who you surround yourself with does matter. But if you don't feel like you're at a threat with anything, there's no reason to let them go.
0: Yes, absolutely, and I and I think I, I think like the, the the one other final thing we could just say here is that when we are engaging in these passive modes of communication, such as text messaging and stuff, one I, I think we need to get back into the habit of picking up the phone and calling each other because when you have that that text message of yeah i'll let you know or something you're kind of shirking responsibility right there right like you're like oh well i'm not but when you hear their voice and they're like oh you're 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 busy on thursday then that person immediately has the opportunity to be like well what about friday or what what, what about next week so i think that picking up the phone is a more genuine sign of like i'm i'm really here to be social with you and if we have to relegate ourselves to text messages being very very specific on dates times and and when we can hang out next.
1: Yeah. And I think that's also why like the use of emojis has helped a lot because it helps to really establish your tone of voice. And that's also why if we're talking about technology a benefit of like just it in general is like I use FaceTime to talk to my family and like my 90-year-old grandmother who like I don't get to see all the time. And she gets to see my expression and, you know, we have these conversations back and forth that she's not going to text me. It's just, it's not going to happen. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, you know, um, that's a benefit of it. But the calling definitely, um, it helps because, right, something I would have taken a week to set up has happened within 30 seconds.
0: Yes. Yes. And so I I think it's the 90 year olds that are having the the final laugh and all they're going to be, (laughs) it's the 90 year olds that are going to be the most social when it's all said and done because they don't know about text messaging and all this other stuff. (laughs) Gabby, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: This concludes the first part in our series. What does it mean to be social? I'm Aaron Azrod.